0: sweet presence this morning, and uh, as we prepare for the communion, I just want to share uh, something that the Lord put in my heart as I'm preparing for for the communion exhortation this morning. Um, Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your sweet presence. Thank you for moving in our midst just read First uh, Peter one to 18-19 if you can uh, listen to that uh, it's a very powerful verse First uh, Peter 1, 18-19 For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect You know, circumstances makes things precious. So if you will notice here, it says in that verse, Precious blood of the Lord Jesus. That communion that we're about to take, it represents the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. And I just want to highlight on that word precious. You know, sometimes circumstances will allow us to appreciate that word precious, I was two weeks ago, I had this um, swelling in my heart, uh, in my tongue, in my mouth, like a conqueror sore. So I had that for like two, three or four days in what's really very uncomfortable. You cannot eat, you cannot drink well, because as long as, as, as when I take the water, it will, it will touch and It's very painful. And you know what, you, you don't really appreciate health or wellness if you don't go through that pain, that discomfort. So you will really not, will say health is really precious. And um, even when you don't feel pain, you don't really appreciate that wellness if you don't go through that pain. When you live with those discomfort or pain, Until you suffer pain, you will appreciate the health that was given to us. Even for food, we don't appreciate the food at the back or even the food that we don't like until we suffer hunger. Amen? Like if we're really hungry, even if those things that we don't like, we'll take it. Amen? And even thirst, thirst will make us appreciate water. Right. If you are thirsty, you will really like long for water. So, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that, like even poverty, we really appreciate how that provision of the Lord when we go to poverty. So, what I'm trying to say here is there are things that we don't really appreciate, see the preciousness. And in this morning, we don't, you know, sin makes the blood of Jesus precious. So as we take the blood of Jesus, we will see how precious the blood is. For without the shedding of the blood, the Bible said, there is no remission of sins. The Word of God says, the blood of Christ is is powerful. We are redeemed with the precious blood. It is precious because of its redeeming power. We are not redeemed with silver or gold, but with the blood of Jesus. And it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we also don't have only the power of the redeeming power of the blood, we have the cleansing power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. So even this morning we will appreciate that we are here because we are redeemed by the blood amen we are sinful before we came from darkness to light and because of what the lord jesus had done we are redeemed we are cleansed so father as we take lord this communion we thank you lord that as we partake of the bread and the wine in remembrance of the new covenant which jesus our great high priest mediated by the shedding of his blood at the cross he was sacrificed once to take away our sins and in him received the promised holy spirit who now lives in us lord we pray that you sanctify and bless this bread which represents your body that is broken for us Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said take it this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me let's take the bread Lord, we thank you also that you will bless and sanctify this juice which represents your blood. Thank you for the redeeming blood of the Lord. Thank you for the cleansing power of the blood. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's take the juice. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Father, for what you have done for us. And we thank you that we are redeemed, we are cleansed, and we are victorious this morning. Thank you for your sweet presence, dear Holy Spirit. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Grace. You. Welcome to church. So everyone else other than Nick, welcome to church. Hallelujah. We should be happy to be here. We could be up north in a cyclone. We should be happy that we're on the Gold Coast. This is where the gold is, right? Thank you to our worship team this morning. Could I ask that lady at the back to please sit on a chair and take your hat off? You're in the presence of the Lord. Please take your hat off. If you can't stand the light, that's the Lord. Please take your hat off. We are in the presence of the Lord this morning. Thank you, Lord, for joining us. Thank you to our worship team. What fantastic worship we had this morning, ushering us in to where we need to be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got a couple of things I want to say before I start. The Lord was talking to me this morning. Juliana, the Lord's saying, you don't need to eat at the smorgasbord anymore. Your food is here. When you're searching for ministry, you're searching for your healing, it's here. Don't keep going everywhere else. You don't need a smorgasbord. The Lord is here for you. The other thing which I checked with Pastor Amanda, whether I could share it or not to start with, because that's always a good move. Let me read a couple of scriptures to you. The next great move of God is not coming through the Aboriginals. It's not coming through women and women's ministry. It's not coming through South Africans. It's not coming through Chinese. It's not coming through Australians. It's not coming through Filipinos. It's coming through the church. I had a revelation yesterday, which I held on to to see whether I'd still have it this morning. All these Aboriginal activists are also the same ones that are protesting for Palestine also the same one supporting gay marriage, also the same one supporting climate change, guess what? They can easily become the next domestic terrorists. They are so close to it now. Get ready, church. Start calling the rubbish out. I love this country. I don't like how it looks all the time, but I love this country. I love this city because this is where it's been prophesied that the next great move of God will start. Hallelujah! Let me share a couple of scriptures with you. First one from Romans 16. Starting in verse 17. I appeal to you brothers to watch out for those that cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Aboriginal apostles, prophets, that they believe it's them. That's culture, not kingdom. Avoid them. My Bible says they are causing division. God works through his church. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Church, let not, let's not be naive. If we go back to Matthew 12, Verse 25, knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and no city or house divided against itself will stand. Do we think the church is divided when we hear that people are preaching out there? And there'll be people online who would contact me this week and say, but Gary, you're preaching division. I'm preaching kingdom. This is kingdom. God moves through his church, not through a people group. And then it goes on down in verse 36. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. How much worse it will be for someone who stands behind a pulpit on a regular basis. And that's not even my message today. But I need to get that off my chest. We need to wake up. There is a small minority who are trying to divide the nation and divide the church. That must stop. Many of them will call themselves Christians. It has to stop. Call them out. Get banned on Facebook regularly. It's, it's OK. There's other opportunities. Nick's there with me. As soon as Nick jumps on Facebook, they just pile on. We need to stop listening to the division. God is moving through his church. We need to be ready for it. I look out here, it's like the United Nations this morning. Who was born in Australia? Less than a quarter of us. That's what the church looks like. Who was born on the Gold Coast? That'll narrow it down. Nobody. We are all here for a reason. There's a reason and a purpose we are here. Come on. The Inward Attitudes of a True Disciple is our theme. That's what we've been working through and we're going to continue to. The series is based on the Beatitudes. And that's at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And today we're going to talk about the poverty that possesses. Pastor Grace just mentioned poverty. We don't know what it's like until we've been through it, right? But there's a poverty that possesses within the church. You know, most of what Jesus spoke wasn't to the world. It was for the church. It was for the believers. It was for the followers. The text we're going to concentrate on today, and I'm going to come back to the offering in a moment. So if you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, you can grab it out. I confused myself. The screen's behind me today. The text we're going to concentrate on is Matthew five three. If you've got your Bible, open it up. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Who's been a little bit poor in spirit before? Who can admit that we're still a little bit poor in spirit now? Because ours is the kingdom of heaven, Right? The Scriptures we're going to work through are 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through to 9. Let me read them for you. It talks about excelling in giving. No, it's not just finances. It says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You know, many of the small churches in this country, in fact, all around the world are quite poor. They can just pay their rent, but they still do so much for the community that they're in. They abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely, Willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. It is a gift to us to be able to minister to the saints. I think some ministers around this nation need to read that verse. They implored us that we receive the gift of preaching to the people. And not only had we hoped, as we had hoped, sorry, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And it goes on to talk about Christ being our pattern. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. Our sincerity is being tested. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty may become rich. It's not about money. It was never about money. For some, money is their God. And if that's your case, you need to change. We become rich through him in spirit. Let's pray for our offering. If you've got your seed there and you're ready to sow, the boxes are at the front. If you'd like to give online, there's cards there. If you want to tap and go, because it's the easy way to sow, you can come and see Sue at the end. For those online, there'll be some details on the bottom of the screen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for adopting us as your children. Father, with eyes wide open to your mercies, we come to dedicate ourselves to you afresh this morning. Lord, help us to use our talents and testimony that others may know Christ. As we bring our tithes and offerings, we pray, Lord, for your blessings upon them. Help us meet the expenses of the ministry of this church and engage in ministries to the outermost ends of the earth. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is to be able to minister the gospel. What a blessing it is that Pastor Len Russo from Gold Coast House of Prayer lets us use the House of Prayer on a Wednesday evening now for our midweek ministry. Lord, we thank you for that man and all he's done in this city in Jesus' mighty name. You know, there's a changing of the guard happening all around the world. The way things have been done, they're not going to be done that way anymore. God is still God. He's still using the church, but he's doing it differently. Just because someone did something 20 years ago a certain way doesn't mean that's still going to work now. That's why we're spending so much time in discipleship, making disciple makers. You know, the person who's truly poor in spirit is blessed because such poverty enables that person to possess the supreme possession, the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Not seek first a house. It's important to live somewhere. But seek first the kingdom. Not seek first a good job. We, we should work if we're able. But seek first the kingdom. Not seek first a prophet. Definitely not seek first a prophet. Seek first the kingdom. I don't think it could have been made any simpler. So where did the church go wrong? Does it say seek first a big building where you can house a thousand people and get a really great worship team, which we have. They just don't have the big screen, the skinny jeans and the smoke machines. But it doesn't say to do that, does it? It says seek first the kingdom. Does it seek first go back to the Torah? Absolutely not. It says seek first the kingdom. For our sakes, Jesus set the example in 2 Corinthians 8 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who knows his grace? Hallelujah. We know his grace. <laughs> you know his grace. That though he was made rich for your sakes, whose sakes? Your sakes. Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We're going back to some of the real basics. Because if you're looking for the prophecy, it's in the word. Poverty of spirit is the first character trait which Jesus wants his followers, the subjects of his kingdom, to actually grab hold of. Who thinks they can do it in their own strength? Hallelujah. Because if that's what you think, you're in the wrong church. We can't do it in our own strength. This is a trait that carries its own reward, isn't it? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. If we are poor in spirit, ours is the kingdom. Hallelujah. Good preaching, Gary. Awesome. Who wants the kingdom of heaven to be theirs? Good, we're getting somewhere. This is the thing on the Gold Coast, isn't it? After we have a few hot days and we get rain, everyone goes to sleep. Note the tenses here carefully. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Not blessed are, blessed have been the poor in spirit. Or blessed shall be the poor in spirit but blessed are the poor in spirit, which means you can have it now. We live in a microwave society, don't we? So you can have it now. Push the button, wait for a minute, ding. There it is. You can have it now. Two questions about this beatitude call for an answer. And I love that they're beatitudes. B Be this attitude. B. This, not work towards it, not you've done it so you don't need to do it anymore. B, attitude. So what is poverty of spirit? It's the first one. Some of us have experienced poverty in the flesh. It's horrible, isn't it? Poverty in spirit's different. I love that Margaret's here. You sit on day release, Margaret. (laughs) Or you've been unlocked on your, on your floor? Oh, good. You just snuck out the back door when no one was looking? Amen. Amen. So Margaret will do whatever she can to get to church. What's wrong with the, the other thousands of people on the Gold Coast that aren't at church today? The fire's gone out well and truly. We are a population of around (coughs) 600,000, oh, excuse me, approximately 600,000 people live on the Gold Coast. Just over 300,000 of them say they're Christian. We don't have enough churches to house 300,000 people. So where are they? Where are they? Something wrong with that. Jesus said that the ones who are poor in spirit are blessed. Who wants to be blessed? Be poor in spirit. And how do we do it? What does he mean? Let's consider the answer from two points of view. Firstly, the negative point of view. We can talk about a negative point of view, Pastor Amanda, this morning, just for a little bit. Poverty of spirit does not mean poverty of possessions. I'm not a prosperity preacher when it comes to money. I'm prosperity when it comes to kingdom. The poverty of spirit does not mean a poverty of possessions. God wants you to have stuff. He wants you to be comfortable, but uncomfortable at the same time. Anyone get woken up in the middle of the night and God makes them really uncomfortable, or you're at work and He makes you really uncomfortable? And, and, and the first thing we should ask is, Lord, what are you trying to tell us? What do you want to teach me in this, Lord? He does that, doesn't he? He makes us uncomfortable, especially when we're comfortable. It's true that earthly poverty does sometimes produce conditions in which Christian virtues might thrive. Look at some of the pastors in, in India or Africa or any of the third world countries. They are so full of the Holy Spirit, they're out there doing it no matter what. It's also true that the Bible warns against the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches because of their power to distract us from the desire for heaven's treasure. People come into the church, oh, I need a job, I need a house, I need, I need, I need, it's normally I want, I want, I want. And you know, once they're, They've been prayed for and they've been restored and, and they get the place to live, they get the job, they get the nice car. Sometimes they might get a husband or wife as well. You know, they leave the church. I don't need the church anymore. Church did nothing for me. Yet they were prayed for, they were ministered to, they were restored. But then the distraction of riches... The deceitfulness of riches got hold of them. And all of a sudden, they're too busy to go to church on a Sunday. They're too busy to go to a midweek prayer meeting. I don't get it. Church, I just don't get it. We have something on almost every day of the week in this church. Almost every day. It's the same people go to everything doesn't make sense. But happiness is a matter of character, isn't it? Not conditions. You've heard me say it so many times. You can be the most anointed man or woman on earth. If you don't have the character to carry that, you're nobody in the kingdom. You can't be anointed and going and seeing prostitutes. You can't be anointed and and smoking crack Where's the character? You can't be anointed and ministering from a pulpit every weekend and ripping off elderly ladies. That happens in our city. It happens. People flock to these churches. I don't get it. Happiness is a matter of character, not conditions. I can tell you now I am a lot happier now that I've got a lot less than I did 15 years ago, and my character is a whole lot better. You have to agree with me so loudly, Pastor Amanda. <laughs> You're agreeing at the wrong time. Happiness comes from righteousness of our hearts, rightness in our hearts. Are our hearts right? The relationships of our lives, that's where our happiness comes from. Not from the external conditions. Who was happy during our COVID lockdown? I was. Life did not change. Yet everyone else is squealing, oh, you're not vaccinated. We can find happiness, no matter what the conditions. I remember we went to, actually, Mullaney. We were gifted a weekend away. It wasn't great. In the middle of COVID, there's a really nice Thai restaurant in Mullaney. Really nice Thai restaurant. We make a booking, we turn up. Sorry, you can't come in. You're not vaccinated. Awesome, we'll get takeaway. We'll go and sit down by the river. We don't care. I mean it was dark and there were mosquitoes, but we had our Thai food, we were happy, right? It's not about the conditions. It's not what the world tells us. The the world does not bring us happiness. I've tried. It doesn't work. A person might be a millionaire and yet be poor in spirit. I know some of them. I worked with billionaires that were extremely poor in spirit. Nick worked for my billionaire's father, who was also a billionaire. Poor in spirit. You can have all the money in the world. Think of Scrooge McDuck, not a happy man or duck. But what, what an image. Here's a duck that sits on a mountain of gold. And he's just grumpy and horrible. Doesn't bring happiness. Doesn't bring a poor spirit. Someone could be penniless, but also proud and arrogant. I know plenty of them. I live at Southport. They think there's, the best thing is to be poor and living on the street, and they are proud and arrogant. Poverty of spirit does not mean poverty of native endowment. No life was ever richer than Jesus. Yet he was poor in spirit, wasn't he? He had everything. Heaven was his, still is. He's seated on the throne at the right hand of God right now. Poverty of spirit does not mean poverty of a spiritual life in the sense of being feeble and neutral in our life. Way too many Christians have spent the last 50 years being feeble and neutral. If you sit on the fence, you have a choice. Heaven, hell. If you're on the fence, you're going to get splinters in your backside. And the devil owns the fence. You're either with God or not. It is really that simple. We need to stop being neutral Oh, you know, gay marriage, everyone deserves love, right? Love is love. That's how they sold it to everyone. Love is love. No, that's an abomination. It was an abomination in the Bible. It still is today. Why do we sit on the fence and be neutral about it? Why is the church so scared to speak up? Why are Australians so scared to speak up against the rubbish that happens on Australia Day? Why are they too scared to fly an Australian flag? Because <laughs> That's right. We've got to stop being neutral. This nation was founded on Christian beliefs. In fact, the day Brother Sadhu was here last year, the 5th of February, was the anniversary of the gospel first being preached on Australian shores. Guess what? What's the date next weekend? It'll be. So the 4th, next Sunday, is the anniversary of the gospel first being preached on Australian shores. The convicts and the soldiers were gathered together, they'd been here for like a week. They probably weren't very happy. Some of them might have been a little bit sick still from being on a ship for however long. And the gospel was preached. And you read the records of it. The minister preached a strong word. And even the the, the convicts and the soldiers together stood there side by side and worshipped the Lord. Where has the problem come in? Somewhere along the way, hasn't it? Jesus came to bring the abundant life. Hallelujah. Who wants that? I do. Yes. I want an abundant life. We can have it now. He had patience with those of little faith. I've been there. He had patience for those who are weak in spirit. And those that had impetuous actions, that was me as well. You we can see Carolyn smiling. I think she's been like that too. but he wanted to help them grow, didn't he? He wants to help us all grow, to be of great faith, to be of strong convictions. We have a big God, so we can have a big faith. And we need to have strong convictions. Our convictions are what hold on to us. We've got to hold on to what the Lord's given us. We gotta stand on what this says. This is black and white. No matter what translation you read, this is black and white. There's no gray area in it. We either believe it or we don't. If you're gonna believe it, believe all of it, even the bits you don't like. Poverty of spirit doesn't mean pretension of humility. Some of us are great at self-depreciation, aren't we? Jesus had no patience with people like that. The, the, you know, the ones who are always saying, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'm not worth his attention. Jesus had no patience for that. There's no place for that in the body of Christ. If we say we know him, we need to know him, not just know of him. Often deep down in these people's hearts, they're desiring people to know them in the marketplace. And when they're recognised, they're the proudest of proud, aren't they? They're essentially saying, I'm too busy for God, but if, if I walk into that business over there and they recognise me, that's good. I was like that. I would pull up at the Shangri-La Hotel in, Mar- in Sydney or Sheridan-on-the-Park in Sydney, or the, or the Marriott. And the concierge would actually run out to see me. Mr. Hovind, I'm glad you're back. Welcome, we've got your room ready. And of course, when that happens, you walk into the hotel, you're like, look at me. They know me. And I thought that I wasn't worth God's attention, but I had man's attention. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Creates a life of misery, I can assure you. Being known in the marketplace is nothing if you don't know the Lord. We need to be known by Him. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear, I did not know you, but Lord, I prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name, Lord. I did not know you. We don't want to hear that, do we? The pride that imitates humility is more detestable than the the pride that casts off all disguise. Let's stop imitating humility. And let's start being humble. The second point of view is the positive. That took me a little while to get through the negative, didn't it? But now we've got something positive. What then is this poverty of spirit that Jesus called blessed? Poverty of spirit is that quality of spirit that accurately perceives that man or woman, as they are, has no value inherent of themselves. That each gift and each grace of the Spirit comes from God. Do you know these people? I prophesied over this person and a demon come out. Did you do it in your name or Jesus? I got 20 people saved today. No, you didn't. You got none. The Holy Spirit did it. We need to be the tools that are used. Every grace of the Spirit comes from God. Each and every one of you has a gift from God. Some of you have more than one. What are you doing with it? Other people have got a gift of healing. But all they want to do is prophesy. That's not going to work. If your gift is healing, heal. Don't try and do something you're not. Don't try and be something you're not. Oh, but I can preach a better word than Pastor Gary. Great. Let us know. You want to start a church? I'll help you. Most ministers don't last three years. When we see how completely dispossessed of value, and virt- sorry, of virtue and grace and righteousness we are in ourselves, pride, self-esteem and self-righteousness must fall away. If you've got any pride in you, it must fall away. Any self-esteem, it must fall away. Any self-righteousness, it has to fall away. And then we see how rebellious against God and His righteousness our wills have been. Who's rebelled against God? If not everyone puts their hand up, I know some of you are lying to me. We do our best, but we sometimes rebel anyway, don't we? We want to cry out as Paul did in Romans 7.24, wretched man that I am. Some of us need to be able to do that. Lord wretched man that I am I come to you in repentance today Poverty of spirit is the realization that spirituality or spiritually sorry we are dispossessed and we're bankrupt and we're without merit on our own I am nothing without the Lord I am nothing without the Lord I am bankrupt of spirit without the Lord I am dispossessed But hallelujah, my citizenship is in the kingdom. Poverty of spirit is that quality that that recognises that apart from God, man is forever incomplete. And that the true centre of life is God. Apart from him, what's the point of life? The world has little time and no admiration for a person like this, do they? when you say everything I am is God. The world doesn't want to know about it. Instead, the world admires self-sufficient man, the self-confident man, the so-called self-made man, the man who feels he is complete within himself. That's what the world loves. You read an article about a business person who's, who, who's sometimes done some charity Often it will say, self-made millionaire, self-made whatever, self-made. There's no glory for God in that. We need to stop using I, 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 and start using we. We, the church. We, the kingdom, people. We, the believers. The Greek philosopher Plato when he was discussing the good man, the happy man, places one condition upon him, and that is that he must be self-sufficient. Hasn't the world grabbed onto that? Look at our young ones these days, with the exception of the ones sitting at the back there. I just want to be happy. I just want to work three days a week. I just want to... I just... I... I'm self-sufficient, I can do what I want. That has to stop. Can you imagine standing before the Lord and expecting to enter heaven, but also saying that you were self-sufficient? Poverty of spirit is that quality of spirit that intensifies and intensely desires that God will supply the true needs of the soul. God supplies our true needs. It might not be everything we think it is. It might be more. Jesus told a story of two men who went up to the temple to pray, didn't he? One was a Pharisee. The Pharisee didn't actually pray, instead, he gave God a recital of his qualities and his virtues. He was self righteous and he was self satisfied. This is exactly what poverty of spirit is not. The other man was a publican, a tax collector. Who loves the tax collector? Good. I find the older I get, the more anti-establishment I get. As my eyes are opened up to what's actually happening. The publican was so conscious of his need, so full of the sense of his own shortcomings, that he wouldn't even lift his head. Yet so desirous was he of God's blessing that he cried out, God, be merciful. I am a sinner. That right there is poverty of spirit. God, be merciful with me because I am a sinner. Our second point today is how does this poverty of spirit bless us? It's good to know, isn't it, that if we're going to be blessed, how is it going to bless us? What's the point of it? Well, Jesus said it, so that's that's a good start. In what sense is it true that the poor in spirit are happy in the blessings of possessing the kingdom? There's five links in a chain that can't be broken or shouldn't be broken. Let's work through them. Poverty of spirit causes us to seek in Christ the grace that we need. First link. I don't know about you, but I I need grace from Christ every single day. We need not mere conviction of sin because conviction does not always lead to repentance, does it? Doesn't always lead to conversion. Second thing. Poverty of spirit is that appraisal of our lack on the one hand and our sins on the other that cause a person to seek salvation. Does anyone remember back to that time when they they were actually seeking salvation? We saw it last weekend on Saturday. Young Indian gentleman, been in Australia for maybe a year. (laughs) Walks into a prophetic meeting where there's nowhere to hide. With his Indian auntie. I don't know whether you've had anything to do with Indian aunties. They don't let you get away with anything. Get up there and get prayed for. Get up there and get prayed for. Get up there and get prayed for. And we actually made him sit down until we'd finished preaching. We want him to hear the word. We didn't want her to make the decision for him. We want him to make the decision. And in the end, he gives his heart to the Lord, knowing that he was a sinner. And the only grace he could receive was from Jesus. He'd made that appraisal of his sins and the need to seek salvation on his own. Next one is, poverty of spirit conditions us for receiving the gift of God. If you're so proud that you know everything, how are you going to receive the gift of God? If you know everything. And there's a lot of them. A lot of these people that know everything. I don't know why Pastor Amanda's giggling. I'm not going to use any names. We all know them, don't we? We all know them. My prayer is, Lord, give me wisdom and give me knowledge. Give me the wisdom when to say something and the wisdom to keep my mouth shut when I need to. All of the prophets have realized this. Isaiah said in Isaiah fifty-seven fifteen, For thus says the high and lofty one, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit. Do we need a contrite and humble spirit? Hallelujah. To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. On Wednesday, myself and Pastor Amanda will be on Juice FM with Reverend Jim Raystrick and we're going to be discussing revival. And why are people coming back to the church? Let me tell you, I'll be asking for wisdom, when to keep my mouth shut during that conversation and when to speak. Because we know that revival's coming, but we can't have revival without reformation. And we know that after revival comes, because one of the questions will be, I'm sure, How does it keep going? Well, the first thing would be, let man take their hands off and not try and claim it as their own. And then we will see a revolution. David said in Psalm 51, 17, talks about the sacrifices of God, a a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, will you not despise. Oh, sorry, you will not despise. If we have a broken and contrite heart, God will see it. And he won't despise it. Poverty of spirit releases the saving grace of God upon us. That moment when you said, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. And you accepted him as Lord and Saviour. Both of them, not just Saviour. Lord and Saviour. That saving grace is released upon you. This is our only hope. It's our only hope. This is effective only when we empty our hearts of self and throw ourselves like broken vessels on his mercy. I am nothing without Jesus in my life. We all should be able to say that. Because if our hearts are full of ourselves, how can we be used? Poverty of spirit fits us for service in the kingdom. If a pastor or an elder can't ask you to do something in the church you attend, how can you be ready for service in heaven? God loves to use the life that keeps self out of sight and honours only him. I look at a generation that's being risen up into places where we we couldn't have imagined. I think think of myself and Pastor Ramel and, and even Mark Johnson. Those that are reluctant and would prefer to be sitting up the back, probably where Ted is there, as opposed to standing at the front, but we are called to do something. The ones that don't seek the limelight are the ones that are about to be used. The ones that don't need a big stage are the ones that are about to be used. Guess what church? We have a church full of them right here now. I don't see anyone sitting there that's looking for a big stage. Hallelujah, you're about to be used. Those that want to be just in the, in the side a little bit. God loves to use the life that keeps self out of sight and honours only him. Poverty of spirit opens the eyes of the heart on the broad horizons of heaven's possessions. I want heaven's possessions now. Oh, but Gary, that's a bit greedy. Well, No. We are citizens of the kingdom. Our father is the most high. He will bless us. The vision says, you are a child of the king. These things are yours. Nobody, really? Nick, you're a child of the king. These things are yours. Does anyone else want to join Nick in that? Everything that you've been promised in heaven is yours and you can have it now. Maybe I need to get some skinny jeans and a big screen. What do you think? Might get a better response. Can we? Actually, we'll have Taya here at, in, at the end of June. Maybe we can get Taya to come and worship and people might be alive. Taya was the young lady for, that wrote Oceans. Oceans. The chance of us getting her to come is really slim, I can tell you. But she'll be at the convention center. But we need to liven up church. The possessions of the kingdom are yours. You are a child of the king. Hallelujah. So let's enter his throne room. I'm going to finish up right here in Pastor Amanda. Let's start testing ourselves. Let each of us ask am I poor in spirit or am I self-satisfied, self-righteous and arrogant? We need to be testing ourselves. Lord, I thank you that you are a good God. You're a big God and And Lord, I pray that we can have a big faith. Lord, as we ask ourselves that question, am I poor in spirit? Lord, if our response is, no, I'm a little bit self-satisfied, I'm a little bit self-righteous, and I know I can be arrogant. Lord, I pray that you break that office in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, remove anything from us that is not of you. Lord, let us live a life on this earth that is pleasing to you. Lord, let us start serving you as the disciples served you. Let us be not afraid of what the world says. Let us not be afraid of what is to come in these last days. Lord, I pray a boldness over this church that we will preach the Gospel and we will make disciples no matter what comes against us. No matter what comes against us, Lord. Lord, if that means we'll be arrested or we'll become sick or whatever it might be, Lord. We pray you give us the boldness and the strength and the conviction, Lord, to keep going to keep going. Lord, for those in the room that prayed the martyrs prayer just last year, let them lead the way. Let them be the ones who are on the front line. And as that song goes, all of my life, I wanna be a Levite, dancing in the battle and singing on the front lines. Lord, let us be the ones that are dancing and and singing. As the world comes against us. And let that confound them, Lord. They already think we're a bit crazy. So as they come against us, let us be bold enough to be crazy for You. I pray a blessing over each and every one of you this morning. There is healing coming in this church. In fact, for some of you, it started already, today. There is healing. It started. Lord, we thank You. We thank You, Lord. Lord we lift our Brisbane congregation up to you this afternoon as they meet together Lord to share in your word once again Lord we pray a blessing over them we pray Lord a conviction over them that they no matter what's going on they make it to church Lord, we lift up the worship team in Brisbane to you. We lift up Pastor Amel and Pastor Grace as they all serve you so diligently each week, each day. Lord, that you bless them and you cover them with the blood of Jesus. That nothing that comes against them will harm them. That nothing that comes against them will even get near them. In Jesus' mighty name. And all the kingdom people said, Amen.